Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network. You are listening to Power Ups and Potables. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and on at Tapped at Process Potables and on Instagram at Podcast Potables Network. Check out our other shows on Twitter, like Powerbombs and Potables, at Powerbombs PPN. And every Monday morning, they're recapping the past week in professional wrestling. Pucks and Potables at Pucks PPN. This week, Pucks is talking about games they've attended, the good, the bad, and the ugly at those games. Also, Process Potables had a very fun interview with Feeding Time TV, so make sure to check that out. For news, blog posts, infos on breweries we've worked with, and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Power Ups and Potables is on tap. Cheers, everybody. Everybody, thanks for joining in for Power Ups and Potables. I'm Steve. I'm joined here with my buddy Dan. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Power Ups and Potables. Steve, what's going on, man? Sunday Fun Day. Yes, Sunday Fun Day. So, uh, you know, it's been it's, we were we were away for a couple weeks. We just took a little vacation, so you know, it helps us, you know, get some stories together, some things to talk about. The whole network pretty much took a unspoken two week vacation, and you know, it's nice. You know, I feel like a good kind of boss just giving everybody some free time off that nobody had to ask for and i took it myself recharged the batteries and now this week we are coming out guns blazing uh pun intended with talking some video games here but a ton of content coming out this week that you know you were uh nice enough to hit in the intro for us so i'm really excited for what this week will bring and hopefully this will be a wave of a lot of fresh content coming from the podcast potables network so i'm hype yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely, I can't wait to sit down and listen to a couple of the shows. You know, I'm excited, especially for the feeding time one that you did. I saw your Instagram posts. I didn't know you were doing that, but I'm thoroughly excited to check it out. Really good time. Really good time. Shout out to at uh, Feeding Time TV. Check them out. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. They are all over. He is, our friend Wes is always making insanely good food dishes, showing you how to do it, giving you the recipe, the step-by-step, and having a lot of fun doing it, just as we try to do here with all the bullshit that we are bringing you uh, all the time. So, But, you know, more, more importantly today, we're going to get into some video game talk, so let's let's kind of get this moving and, and, and get jumping on it. Um, just to, I guess, for clarity's sake or as a disclaimer, went really, really hard on the 3rd of July to celebrate the 4th. Uh, Sunday's usually my rest day, so no beer for us today. We uh, what? What do you have? Do you have a live wire? I have a live wire. That's my summer drink. I drink oh, okay. this every summer. So we're we're on a little Mountain Dew kick here today. I got the Code Red. He's got the live wire. I really remember liking live wire, but I also remember hearing some kind of thing. Which I mean, I guess I've really heard with everything. So maybe I shouldn't let it bother me. But I heard that that one particularly had like a big scare of like causing cancer with people. I don't know if that got dispelled or not. It's too or late. Who now. cares? Yeah, it's too late. It's too late. Fuck for it. Me. YOLO. <laughs> uh, what have you been doing this week, Dan? Any any games you've been playing? Any mostly just playing Fortnite with you guys as usual. I finally so I I tried to play Persona Five, and the first time I played it, if anybody's familiar with Persona Five, it's 
an RPG, but a lot of it is like time based. So you have mm-hmm. to do certain things within a certain amount of time, and the game moves like on a regular day schedules. You have like a Monday uh, morning, like Monday during school, Monday after school, Monday evening, and the next day. And there's only so much you can do in a certain time. And the main story of the game, like you kind of each one you have to accomplish by a set date. Okay. And I was like taking my time and screwing around, and you know, not only are you doing this like RPG thing, but you're also like a kid in school, so you can get a job and work, you can hang out with friends, you can do all these other things. So I got kind of caught up doing all that, and then kind of rushed at the end to try and beat the actual part. And I beat it like the day before the deadline, and at no point was I told that like, you know, that wasn't okay. I thought oh. I just had to beat it by the deadline. Well, the problem is, is that you need like another day before the deadline after you beat it to like do the last thing. You can't do it the same day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the next day was the deadline. I technically wasn't done and you just lose. And they're like, oh, you can start the game from like, you know, a week back. And I'm like, do you understand how much time I just <laughs> yeah, wasted? Exactly. So I kind of had to separate myself from the game for a while and then kind of like forget that that happened and jump back in. So I did that you know, beat it in, like, record time, had, like, all this time to spare, which I guess was the smart play because then they're like, okay, well, like, now all we can do is wait, so then you can fuck around all you want. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if, like, if I didn't use the time, if it might just, like, jump me forward. So maybe I was supposed, you know. Yeah. One of those things you have to learn and figure out. So I, I still enjoy playing the game. Now I'm on, like, the second stage of the game, and so far I really do like it. So nice. Nice. if anybody's in the, you know, turn-based RPGs, way more of an old-school kind of feel, but then also has, like, a you know, like a high school simulator kind of aspect to it, Persona 5, uh, a really good play. So I've been enjoying that. Yeah, I uh, I recently gotten back into Destiny 2. Uh, I was listening to another podcast, uh, and they were talking about the changes to it. I'm like, okay, well, I haven't picked up Destiny in a couple months. I mean, let me well back into it. I, never, I bought the Shadowkeep expansion, and I never really got into it. So I started playing it again, and I it took me about maybe – a day to get used to all the new changes. They changed the light system and how you upgrade your weapons and stuff. I think this is the third iteration of how you upgrade your weapons, but it's there. It's enjoyable. I I'm, I'm happy. I picked it back up. Well, don't worry. Cause we're going to talk about that. Spoiler alert. Oh no, man. Uh, so besides that, I started up uh, Last of Us Part One just because of the hype of the second one. I did that as well. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I won't say what part I got on because of spoilers, obviously, especially yeah. for a, a game like this, especially with the new one that just came out. But uh, I'm enjoying it. And then a little personal news: I just canceled my GameFly. I I've been on welcome the, to the club, eh, buddy. I was on it for ten years. I loved GameFly for the longest time, but the last couple of games I've had, I just Never played. I, the last one I had was Death Stranding, and it's a it's a good game. It, it's a it's a walking simulator to a sense, and there's some nice paranormal things to it. But like, I wasn't picking up. I played it maybe every week, and why am I going to waste sixteen dollars a month? Yep. To maybe play a game. It's a great idea. The price points just don't really line up, and you know they really you know it's like like I had Netflix when you used to actually be able to rent physical mm-hmm. DVDs, and like obviously at the time that was okay, but plus the price point was fine. And then eventually they had the streaming service. And even for a while, I had both because, like, the streaming service wasn't what it is today. Yeah. But when they added the streaming service, you're like, oh, my God, well, now this is definitely worth it. Like, yeah. I'm never getting rid of this. And then eventually it's like, okay, well, now I don't need to, the physical stuff, but I'm going to keep the streaming service. Yeah. That's the type of thing Gamefly is really hurting for. And, and it wouldn't really work as well with that. They can't really just offer their own streaming service of games. Well, they did. Uh, I think they – well, yeah, like, they do, but it's not – um, 
Like, it, it's just not the same. Yeah, no, exact, I agree. Exact uh, system as, like, a Netflix or whatever mm-hmm. because of the way the video games work. So, uh, understandable that that would be a difficult concept. I'm not here to bash them oh, for no. poor execution of that. But the price points just don't line up between having the mail stuff back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it was always a problem because no matter how far ahead it seemed like you put a, a, a hyped upcoming release in your queue, you were never really able to make sure that you snagged a copy of it. They always seemed kind of shorted on the yeah. big games, which is really would have been the big benefit of having it. Is hey, I don't want to spend sixty, and you know, for the new gen consoles, it's sounding like seventy, maybe the yeah. price point for games. So it seems like a great idea to be able to just grab one in case you don't like it, rent it, send it back when you're done, or if you don't like it. But the time that it takes, yeah, and I'm, and and the likelihood that you're even going to get it is is not it's not plausible. No, yeah, you. So if you if you were on top of your game and you put the game down like a brand new release, it would ship out Monday, and. Usually you wouldn't get it to like Thursday, Friday, so like four days of waiting for the game to come. And again, it just wasn't worth it. And like this day and age now, there's a lot of games that are going on sale, so you can if you can avoid spoilers and wait a couple months, you can get a game for half off. So yeah, it's not even pointless to have it anymore. Yeah, that that's always been a big thing for me. Is I'm at the point now, especially with how like busy I am in my regular life, that I don't mind waiting for a new release to drop that price tag and then not feel so bad if I you know, drop, you know, 30 or 40 on a digital download and, and don't love it. And at least then it's like, you know, I could always go back and revisit it someday. It's in my my library, mm-hmm. even if I, you know, remove the the um, data yeah. from my system for a while. And that's the difference in, you know, that in a physical disc. If you take that back to GameStop, you're done. You don't have it anymore. Yeah, and, and you also get, you know, $3 for it. Yeah, and instead of waiting four days, you got to wait maybe two hours for it to download because you deleted it off your system. And, like, I used to be a big, like, trade-in stuff guy because mm-hmm. I didn't have the money to buy that many yeah. games. And now at least I'm at the point where, one, I'm I'm a lot more frugal on what games I'll even be willing to purchase. Mm-hmm. But I also hold on to everything just in the event that, you know, I get into a lull and don't want to play anything I have. I have all these games to go back to. I've gone back to Final Fantasy 15. I've gone back to Spider-Man. I've gone back to God of War. So I have all those games just, you know, sitting there for me to pick up and and get onto whenever I feel like it, which is really nice. Yeah, and it's it's definitely with the same thing. I'm not trading games anymore. I'm actually buying games I want to keep and replay later on. So I said it's yeah, it was used to get rid of, get rid of it by but, now. But there are still plenty of games that we've been disappointed in, which is something we'll get to later in the episode for sure. Absolutely. Well, before we get into our main topic of conversation, we are going to hit you first with this week's quick sips. EA had their E3-style event called EA Play on June 18th. Some of the notable announcements from that were Star Wars Squadron, which will release on October 2nd of 2020. It is a combat flight action game, and you'll enlist as a starfighter pilot who will command iconic ships from both the New Republic and Imperial fleets. The game features five-on-five multiplayer dogfights, monumental fleet battles, and an original single-player story about events occurring after the Battle of Endor and the destruction of the Death Star 2. The story alternates between the perspective of two pilots, one from the New Republic's Vanguard Squadron and the other from the Empire's Titan Squadron. 
The game has extensive cosmetic and gameplay customization options, so you can design your pilot, cockpit, and ship exterior to your liking. You'll also earn things like weapons, engines, and shields to deck out your Starfighter as you move up the ranks. They show trailers for FIFA 21 and Madden 21. Madden will release on August 25th with early access, and August 20th for everybody else. FIFA will release on October 9th, 2020. Another game featured here was called It Takes Two, a co-op action-adventure game made by Hazelight Studios, the team who did Brothers and A Way Out, which are also co-op action puzzle games. Hazelight's thing is making very well-made story-based co-op games, and this will release sometime in 2021. Also, Lost in Random, made by Zoink Games, who also made Fee in 2018, is an action platformer that has a Nightmare Before Christmas slash Coraline art style. Not much is known about the game except that players play as even and are accompanied by a companion named Dicey, who is literally a six-sided die. Even and Dicey will embark on a journey and break a curse inflicted on the land of random. That releases sometime in 2021. Another game from the event is titled Rocket Arena, a third-person hero shooter where players only use rockets to knock opponents out of the arena, coming out July 14th, 2020. And a surprise announcement, Skate 4 was announced. Hell yeah. The game's director, Cuz Perry, and game director, Darren Chung, announced that the franchise returned during the event, but cautioned that they are really early in development. No footage of the game was shown. Dragon Age, Battlefield, Need for Speed, and EA's Motor Project were all released with tech teasers. EA Motor Project kind of looks like a fancy, you know, Gary Mods for PC for Half-Life. And following its push to support more platforms on the PC, EA announced that it would bring A Way Out, Dead Space 3, The Sims 4, and Titanfall 2 to Steam alongside Apex Legends. This is a notable change in direction for EA, which has previously restricted PC version of this game to its origin platform. So Pokemon also had an event titled Pokemon Presents. It was a Nintendo Direct-style event that had a few Pokemon announcements, such as Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield expansion passes the Isle of Armor, which have already released since the announcement. The first new adventure unlocked by the expansion passes takes place on the Isle of Armor, an island of the Galar region. Many Pokemon make this island their home, living freely amid the lush nature. The island is also home to a dojo for Pokemon battles, where players and their Pokemon will train hard to become even stronger under Mustard, the dojo's master. Another release is Pokemon Smile, which is an alternate reality game and is already out as well. It is designed to help children brush their teeth. Yes, we're serious. That's what it is. As quoted by the Pokemon Company, quote, Pokemon Smile uses a mobile device's camera to observe the player's toothbrushing activity and sends it to Russia. (laughs) If the player skillfully brushes their teeth, they can defeat cavity-causing bacteria depicted in the game and then catch Pokemon. Am I on? Am I on drugs? Am I no, reading this no, right? No, this this oh, is the oh, game that they shit. released. The game will guide the user through the toothbrushing process, so each playthrough can help them brush all areas in their mouth. Parents can receive notifications from Pokemon Smile at up to three set times per day that remind them it's time for kids to brush their teeth. They can also set the duration of each toothbrushing session to be between one and three minutes. Based on the varying needs of children of different ages, this is insane. The app is filled with elements to encourage the player to continue playing the game with the intent of slowly building a habit of brushing their teeth. Players will want to keep coming back to catch over 100 species of Pokemon in Pokemon Smile and fill out their in-app Pokedex. 
They can also collect fun in-app decorative headwear to display on themselves virtually as they brush their teeth. How many fucking times do you think Borton has brushed his teeth since this came out? Uh, probably. He probably has the cleanest smile of all of us. Oh, my God. Yeah, Good for him, I guess. This, this was just a weird release. I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see kids brushing their teeth and, you know, Russia, you know, infiltrating another app to get all their information to see what your child looks like and brush your teeth. Yep. But, yeah, it's it was just kind of... Influence their voting habits early. Yeah, yeah. It was, just, it was an out-of-the-blue uh, announcement. I mean, I like the concept of it. I mean, apparently there is gangs and rogues of kids who don't brush their teeth, and parents need a Pokemon app to reel them in to get them to brush their teeth so they have nice, pearly smiles. They don't make them like they used to, brother. No, but... Uh, but it's good, good to brush your teeth. We are a pro-brushing-your-teeth podcast, if... There are any that aren't. I don't know. But we are on the right side of history there. Yeah. And then uh, with this uh, not making them how they used to, they kind of just made something like they used to. Pokemon announced Pokemon Snap, which it's making its debut 20 years after the original, which came out on N64. It follows the same premise. Uh, You're a guy on a Pokemon island. You're on a rail system in a car. Hopefully it's Pokemon shaped like the last one. And you're just taking pictures of Pokemon, doing weird, wacky things. Uh it's a good thing that they're, you know, releasing this game because it's been 20 years since the original. And there's like, as, as we noted multiple times on other podcasts, there's about a thousand Pokemon out there now. So it's funny because I feel like this game, like the original Pokemon Snap, aged way better than its initial reaction. Because I remember as a kid, like I had it, I played it, I liked it. But goddamn, was that game easy. And there was nothing else to do but... You know, the single playthrough. Like, yeah. Once you complete it, there's nothing else. So, my, and then it seemed like, you know, as we got older, like, it just became, like, nostalgic and cool. But I'm, I'm going to fully admit, when I was a kid, that game came out, I kind of fucking hated it because all I wanted was, like, a real Pokemon game for N64. And we never got it. We no. got Snap. We got Stadium. Yeah. Which was just, like, an emulator, basically, that you had to use your, your Game Boy cartridges for anyway, more or less. Yeah. It was just a big box version of Pokemon Battles. Right. So, the only thing I would hope with this is if they're going to pay homage to the original, and that's great, and it'll obviously look incredible, I'm sure, is I hope they can just find other little things. Like, I know we're not getting a Pokemon Battler here, but, you know, some mini games, almost like almost more like a Mario Party, you know? Like, a couple mini games, you know, make, uh, make it take a couple tries through to get everything. Mm. Uh, just things like that. And, I mean, obviously with the expansive library of Pokemon they have now, hopefully that will help them be able to make it just a little bit more time-consuming, a little bit more replay value, things like that. Yeah, because it's not being hampered by the N64 cartridge. You're actually using the Switch cartridge, which I'm is assuming it's much bigger. It would have to be, so... Well, I mean, but come on, dude. That's not an excuse. I mean, Ocarina of Time is on an N64 cartridge. Okay. You have plenty of room <laughs> got me for there. a real game. You got me there. Um, <laughs> the last game that was released, and I absolutely hate this, is uh, Pokemon Cafe Mix, which is a free-to-start game. And it's pretty much just Candy Crush. It's just made to. Suck oh, it's your... made for my wife then. Yeah, yeah. She she's gonna enjoy the hell out of it. But it's that's all it is. It's Candy Crush. It just has microtransactions. I uh, when this was announced, I kind of got really pissed. So I I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Listen, if they want to make microtransaction games, that's fine as long as they continue giving us good content as well. So if I'm getting expanses for Sword and Shield, if I'm getting a revamped Pokemon Snap, and if all that means that they need to make all their money off my wife's addiction to games like Candy Crush, <laughs> no problem. Go right ahead. Well, <laughs> it's it's people like EA that don't make anything that isn't microtransactions, and all they want to do is take my money where I have the issue with it. But go ahead, get paid. Pokemon 
You deserve the money. You've gotten plenty of it. You're going to get plenty more. Go for it. Yeah, you I'm, didn't get my money in this one. So Yeah, I'm just afraid that it's going to take the Candy Crush uh, concept and you have to buy turns. So, I mean, if you don't have to do that. No, you will. Okay. That's the whole point. But you just ruined any hope that I had for this game. I mean, oh, you don't have to do it. That's you just, true. if you're, you know, like if you're not good at it, you need to. Yeah, you're, so, you're right. Sorry you're so bad at it. I'm bad in life, man. We know this. Yeah, I do. How many times have you been with Fortnite and I screwed up and fucked up? And that's going to be it for this week's Quick Sips. All right, Steve. So the topic that we're going to get into today, games that have disappointed us. My list is pretty interesting because I'm a very weird video game player. I don't play that many. A lot of the ones most people like I have struggled to get into Mm -hmm. or, you know, I just didn't even have the money to purchase them. So I was torn because I don't think that a lot of those games, like I don't want to, couldn't even say that I was disappointed in them because I, I put a lot of the blame on myself. You know, sometimes they're just not for me, and I don't hold game developers accountable for that because I, I, you know, I, I may not be the demographic for it. I may have tried a game outside of my comfort zone, and you know, that's on me. It's just not what I like. So I tried to mainly stick to games that like I should have liked, obviously, and then I also just had a couple that, you know, I I had other issues with. That we can get into. So I don't know if you want to start, if you want me to start, but um, yeah, I'll start. My my list um is obviously different different than yours. Mine is games I actually were was looking really forward to. Um, and I either pre ordered or I bought them or talking about GameFly had them where I would get them from GameFly because I was excited to play them. And I think maybe on this list I finished uh, on my list I made I finished maybe two of them because I did later just finish the game just to finish the game but most of these games i've turned off like not even halfway through i just gave up because i was that disappointed uh so i'll do my first game and it's probably like the biggest one that people are probably shocked over but uh i was disappointed in doom internal i just did not like that game i'm a from the first podcast we had i'm very into story-based games i like having a story i like when they do sequels that they do it very linear you you kind of know what happens I don't know if you played the original Doom 6 2016 that came out. No. Okay. So I haven't played Doom since like Doom 2 64, <laughs> okay. I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a while. Um so pretty much without getting any spoilers pretty much for Doom Internal, you just you, you your the Doom Marine appears, he has new things, he has a ship and he's now going onto Earth to obviously fight the Demon Horde. And there's no they don't talk about how he got there. They're literally he at the end of the game he gets sucked into a portal. Sorry, spoilers, uh, but the, that game is four years old now. You should have played it by now. But he gets sucked into a portal, and then the new game comes out. He has a ship, he has a new weapon, and there's no they don't tell you how it happens, and that pissed me off because they going through the game you pick up a lot of lore, you pick up a lot of things about the Doom Marine's life, and that's awesome. But because they didn't have that corresponding between the first game and the second game. I just lost interest because I was always trying to find well, what happened. What, what's the continuation? And there, there's other things about the game. The uh, The multiplayer is terrible. It's I think it's called Battlegrounds. And it's literally just one. It's a it's a two-on-one game. One person's a new Marine. Two people are one of the big bosses. And it's just a death match. That's all it is. But again, there's that's nothing that brings it to it. The 2016 Doom had an actual death match. Had a mode just like that. But it all took place on that Mars space station, and it definitely opened things up. And you went to hell, you know, you did different things. And twenty and the new Doom, it's just the different spots you go. You go to different planets, like it kind of just branched the whole thing out, which is 
okay. But again, they didn't flush out the story, and it just it pissed me off. That's interesting because when I looked this up, 95% of people like this game, a 9 out of 10 from Steam, and 87% rating on Metacritic. But, I mean, I'm not a Doom guy, so I don't know. But it looks like this one was pretty well-received. It was well-received. It had good gameplay. and In the actual single-player gameplay, it had good gameplay. It had good platforming. It had good weapons mechanics. I liked that thing. But I said I was disappointed because it just didn't continue the story. And it just it, it kind of just threw you in. It was almost if they just, hey, here's Doom Eternal. Get all the dude rows to buy it to play. You don't need to have a story background. And, like... I pre-ordered this game. I was excited for it because of everything they announced for it. And just to throw me into the game pissed me off as a gamer because I felt betrayed. It's from Bethesda, which is one of my favorite publishers of all time. And it's almost like a slap in the face. Like, yeah, we don't fucking care about your story. So the first one on my list, I put at the top because I think we may, we may be able to tie this into one of yours as well. And you're probably going to know more about this whole series than me. But my first one was Fallout 76. And I know you have Fallout 4 on your list. Mm -hmm. Now, like, I've been hit and miss with Fallout games, and I didn't love 4 either, but I liked 4 a lot more than 76, so I thought it was interesting that you had 4 on your list, but I went with 76 because 4 was one that I enjoyed for at least, like, a good amount of time, and then I feel like I just kind of hit this wall where I couldn't bring myself to play much anymore, and it didn't feel rewarding. But 76 from, like... You know, the first, like, five minutes after I got out, I was just kind of like, this sucks, I'm bored, what am I doing, why do random things I can't really see keep biting me and pissing me off, and I don't feel like doing this, I'm turning it off. Yeah, it, they, that's, again, dropped the ball on this one, and I'm I'm in the same camp as Dan, I don't like 76, I didn't put it on my list, because a lot of people do know it, does know it's a bad game, and they definitely have done kind of a no man's guy where they've actually fixed a lot of problems. But yeah, when you're when you get out of the vault, you can't shoot things. Everything just it feels off. It just doesn't feel right. And I mean, I can forgive part of the game because it's supposed to, it's uh, what is it? It's a couple years after the Great War and there's no humans on earth. And that's fine. I can forgive that. But it, it everything was off on the game. And I don't know if it's that because it was the multiplayer aspect or because of how they did things or the servers. It just, it, it was an off game. Like you kind of felt rushed to do everything. You know, there was a lot of overpowered creatures right after you got out the, the vault. Like you can go south and you get into the ash dragon, I think. And like you're level two and that thing's level 17. That thing fucking destroys you right off the bat. So I'm complete ingredients with 76 not being a good game and being a disappointing game. Uh, continuing with that, I, I, as we just talked, I have Fallout 4 on my list. Again, you guys know I'm a Fallout fan. I had New Vegas on my best of list. Uh, they did a lot of just changes with this game where they just didn't think it through. They, I mean, not to say they should have stuck with the old things, but they gave the character a voice, which was horrible, male and female. They didn't give you um, the open-ended questions you kind of had in the other games where, like, you, when you played those other games, you were your own character. You got to make your own choices. You got to be a dick. You got to be a hero. When you played this guy or this girl, you were given these options, and pretty much it was it was kind of hinted if they're good, evil, bad, good stuff like that. But then he would say totally did something different, and it again it was almost a disconnect from the character. Like you weren't playing your own character; you were playing this guy. But they just happened to be like, oh, it's your character. Um, the the DLC for the game was 
very disappointing. They released, I think, three game packs that kind of added some things, and they added two DLCs, Far Harbor and Nuka World. Nuka World wasn't bad. The concept of of being in a post-apocalyptic Disney World style uh, area was really cool. But, like, they they got rid of um, how you heal. You heal over time, which was an instant, which, is again, was okay. They made a lot of deviations. They didn't make any connections. Like, they had Brotherhood of Steel in there, but they didn't really have any connections to them. You kind of just ran into them. You had the new railroad people there. You had Synths, which was hinted in Fallout 3, but, like, it, it, it kind of just didn't feel connected. And then I'm not going to spoil Fallout 4. I actually have respect for Fallout 4. I'm not going to spoil the big twist on it, but it was just a waste of a twist. Like, you're searching for your son, and I'm going to leave it at that. You get to that ending, I'm just like, I feel fucking robbed. Like, it, I felt like I didn't even play a game. It's just like this, I played their story, and I wasn't happy with the decision. Um, and it's, it, it pisses me off. I'm a huge Fallout fan, and just to go through this shit pissed me off. And then going with Dan's um, game of Fallout 76, it kind of just put another nail in the, the coffin of Fallout, which, again, makes me mad. Now, Dan sent me a uh, link on Facebook. Amazon's making a Fallout show, which if they're going to make it like how they're saying it's going to kind of be like Westworld, I got my faith back in Fallout. But, yeah, Bedessa has the last two games of Fallout. They've just dropped the ball. So as you're, you know, a much bigger Fallout fan than me, even though I can I can agree with all the points that you made, and I had my issues with both of those games, I'm a huge Final Fantasy guy. Uh, obviously, 7 was number one on my, on my list of all time. I have been one of the biggest advocators and defenders of Final Fantasy VIII amongst the community of people that tried to shit on it because they weren't good enough to beat it. But I was. Two of them that I was disappointed with kind of around the same time was Final Fantasy IX, which we've talked about before, which, again, was simply because great story, but you come off how difficult Seven is. And not necessarily mm-hmm. the main story, but all the side stuff between Chocobo breeding, Ruby weapon, Emerald weapon, things like that. Like, there's so much to do. It's very difficult. It was a grind. You had to figure out the strategy. Like, I just was never challenged like that in Nine. Eight had, like, one of the most final difficult bosses of all time, Ultimacia. She was an absolute house. Uh, and Nine was just, like, this walk in the park. Again, I loved the characters, loved the story, but just I was upset in the challenge. And then not soon after I played Nine, I was playing Final Fantasy XI, which was their first attempt at an online multiplayer game, which the game was fantastic. I loved the game. I played it a ton. The problem was, number one, no one in America heard about that game or decided to play it. I don't really know why. So I was stuck, you know, playing at like 3 a.m. with like groups of Japanese kids, <laughs> which is fine. But it was just very, very difficult. And the, the problem in needing to do that was the game. I mean, I, I know it's an MMO, but a lot of MMOs, you know, there's a significant amount of stuff that you can solo, at least for a while. Final Fantasy XI you really can't solo almost anything in that game. It is meant to be done in a group. The enemies are too difficult, and if you're not fighting difficult enemies, you're not leveling. So you pretty much just have to play that game with a full party, yeah. and that, that was the biggest problem was, you know, I'm fine with the idea of needing a party to do certain things. You know, like World of Warcraft, you need them to do, like, raids and dungeons, but most of the you know general map, you can kind of grind your way through and things like that. Same in Destiny. You need people to do raids, but 
you know, one, they had matchmaking for a lot of stuff like strikes and whatnot. But you can also do the entire main story basically by yourself if you want. Uh, you want to co-op it, fine, but you, you don't need to. There's no skill, uh, you know, floor that you kind of have to hit or, or ceiling that, that stops you from soloing it. So um, those are both really tough for me for, for different reasons. But, um, you know, as a fan of almost everything the Final Fantasy series has, do- has done, both of those really stuck out to me as disappointments for me for, for very different reasons. Yeah, they, it sounds like I, I never played Final Fantasy XI, and it feels like how you're describing it to me. They just they took that multiplayer aspect and ran with it and didn't even think about people who are, yeah, playing the game solo because I, I think we t- did talk about I play a lot of ga- uh, mo- those multiplayer games solo. So the fact that they just robbed that of, of your gameplay with it kind of sucks. That's, that's dis- that is actually disappointing. Yeah, you know, again, it's, it's it's one thing if you need groups to do certain things, but to basically just be able to play the game is is a pretty bad system, and especially you know that at that point in time. I mean, we're still, like I was playing that game like middle school, maybe beginning of high school, so like we're talking oh two, oh three, oh four, some something along mm-hmm. those lines. So uh, I know that like a lot of people probably weren't playing a bunch of online MMO computer games, but you know, I also wasn't like some guy who had a, a, a freakishly built computer like that game ran on whatever shit desktop i had on you know dial up internet like it all works so there was no reason to not be playing it other yeah. than either them not promoting it or just lack of interest which again like i remember going to the mall around christmas and buying it from uh from like funko land in the oh mall God, <laughs> and i remember being like man like there's probably a bunch of people here it's final fantasy it's a big deal and like i i'm pretty sure they didn't even know what i was talking about i'm like yeah i want to get final fantasy 11 and then they're like oh you 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 want that you want that and like it's for your computer and i'm like yeah i know like is this news to people they, they, and, I, and i guess it was when you walked out did they whisper nerd behind your back probably oh. don't know don't care oh man still pump, pumped a ton of hours into that game man it was fun it was really fun a lot better than fucking 14. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We all know about that one. Um, the next game on my list, uh, it was a Homefront Revolution. Uh, I actually had a little bit of a connection to this game because it takes place in Philadelphia. Uh, we're right next door to the, uh, the city. And just to have a video game based in Philadelphia, it's all I needed to hear. I don't rec- Aren't the developers from Philadelphia, too? No, that, that's... Is it? I think it's Ubisoft. So is there? Um, yeah, I, I, I thought I remembered something about when this came out about it being in Philadelphia, about there being like attachments to like the developers or creators to Philadelphia or something. But maybe they, I'm just making that up. Maybe they visited it. Like, that's what I think because they definitely have like City Hall in there. They definitely have the Fairmount section. They definitely have the dock section in the game. Um, there, I mean, minus the landmarks, there's nothing really else from the game that you could tell it's Philadelphia. But like. I, I know I I like this game because it took place in Philadelphia. The first Homefront game was just it's a generic thir- uh, first person shooter. I knew that, so I wasn't worried about that. And like I kind of had my expectations. I'm like, okay, I know it's not going to be a great game, but if it's going to take place in Philadelphia. I can forgive that. But even if it taken place in Philadelphia, I said minus the minus the couple of uh, landmarks you hit, it's just like the game's terrible. It's you can't hit anything. It like even if you change your uh, your controller. Sensitivity, you're still off. Um, it's it's supposed to be an open world map, but it still funnels you to do these stupid strike points where you have to attack the North Koreans or you have to go run this thing. And it's just, 
I, it was again. It was disappointing. I don't even have words for it because it, uh, I was upset because it's almost felt like the, like the one big push of getting Philadelphia in a video game, and they fucked it up. And it's just like cool. None, a game's not going to take place in Philadelphia again. And doing my research for this and trying to like you know uh, spark my mind and remember what games disappointed me. I looked up like a couple articles on like disappointing games, and Homefront Revolution was on a few of them. So this is definitely one that I'm sure a lot of people can agree with. Uh, there was a Fallout 76 was another one that I saw on, on a lot of them uh, that we both obviously had our experience with. And then, so I have two others that are like quick hits and I'm going to save my big one because I think it may be a talking point for us for a long time. Okay. So my next one, which also appeared on a lot of those lists, and I think we've talked about before, and it also br- m- makes me want to come back to quick sips for a minute, is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Uh, yeah, we did. We talked about it on the first podcast because it was a free game that uh, PS4 released. Yes, and so the biggest issue with this game wasn't even necessarily the gameplay, but it was the microtransactions mm-hmm. and the amount of them oh and how you, you, you needed to spend so much money to play this game, basically. Like, it, it you actually really couldn't be competitive without making several microtransactions. And that's something EA Sports is known for, and they can go fuck themselves for, for such things. But uh, this game specifically was like, it, like there were riots about it. Like people were so pissed off, and it's one of those things that if you if you want to try to make that attempt to just rob people blind as a business, like I get it, you're a business, that's what you're going to do. You got to make money. That's understandable. But you need to have a plan in place for if people completely revolt and rebel at the idea of it. And that's what they weren't prepared for. They weren't prepared for a backlash that anybody should have and would have seen coming. Yeah, the uh, when the game released, uh, I'm picking the facts out of my brain, so I'm not going to be 100% accurate on all of them. But I know that like to unlock Darth Vader to play as, to, because you obviously can't play him, but you can get him as a hero card. Like You either had to buy him or you could pump in the XP, XP coins you get. But like someone did the math and like you would have to play like, like 120 hours of the game nonstop just to unlock Darth Vader to play him as a hero. And that's bullshit. Like, yeah. no, no, again, people are buying, we know it's a multiplayer game. We know there's going to be microtransactions. We're fine with that. But that was just robbing us. And there was such an uproar over it. They, they actually shut down their store to buy things. That's how big the, the backlash was. And I don't, I don't blame people being pissed off over that. No, not at all. And everyone had like, the fucked up thing was everybody kind of knew it was coming and still for some reason like bought the game putting their faith in EA to do it right and EA completely just slapped them in the face it was like nope yeah we we knew it was coming we and we we were fine with that but then they they decided to grab us by the scruff of the neck and throw us over a table and I'm not going any further than that but yeah. that's what it felt like they yeah. they literally that was fucking brutal it was uh, the next game I have on my list, and I I talked to you about this, Dan. Um, it was a uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, it's by the same guys who did Division. I love Division. Uh, I played Ghost Recon Wildlands, which was really good. Again, it's Division esque. Mine, it's the multiplayer and the RPG element. So you shoot somebody in the head, they're gonna die instantly. That's fine. Uh, Breakpoint kind of uh, mixed it up. You, they put you on an island. There's some little tech here and there. And it kind of adds a different uh, element to the game. You have uh, John Barenthal as the main uh, villain. Again, really cool. But the thing that sucked about the game is they stripped you of your squad. So going into the game and all the Ghost Recon games, you have a squad. Now you're just a solo player. But, excuse me, a lot of, like, 
to get to certain parts of the map, you had to travel there. Again, not that big of a deal, but like you would get attacked by guys who were higher than you and like you would just get destroyed. And it just wasn't satisfying. Like even if you're, you, even when you stealthed, you fucked it up and you had to go loud. There, there would be civilians who would just get in your way. There, there was all these different matchmaking problems that just sucked. Now, uh, Ubisoft left, uh, they released a, a patch and they released a immersion mod, I believe it was called. And it kind of got rid of the HUD. It kind of got rid of a lot of stuff to make the game more enjoyable. And that's cool. Uh, I didn't, I haven't played that version of it yet, but it's, it, it definitely just left a sour taste in my mouth because the game that I loved and I was excited for, you know, a tactical action, military shooter, just, it just fell through. And like, after that immersion mod, uh, they just dropped the game. They didn't. They haven't done any more updates for. It. They they canceled the raid that they were gonna have for it because the raid for Division Two was a good idea. So like, oh, we'll do a raid for Breakpoint. Nah, that they didn't do that. Yeah, the, the I almost put Division Two on here, but then I realized I probably didn't give it enough time to really judge it. But the only reason I thought about putting Division Two was just it felt too much like the original, which we've talked about and I loved, but. I hate when it feels like a developer got lazy and realized people liked the first one, so we're just going to you know, put the second one out there and not really do anything. Copy paste it, pretty much. So like that was the vibe I got from the little bit of time I play it, played it, which is why I didn't invest much, because I was like, I already did this, and I don't really know that they've done enough here to make me want to do it again. Um, but, you know, it may be a game I revisit, because, again, I thought the first one was very good. But the, the second to last one I have, and it's actually a pair of both the games, the original and the sequel, because neither was any good. And this was at the time where I was, you know, uh, this was before I was, I had an Xbox One, and then I had both Xbox One and PS4, and then I made the transition to strictly PS4. And this is honestly one of the big reasons why, was Titanfall and Titanfall 2. They're garbage games. They are complete garbage games, and they were one of, like, you know, when you grew up with Xbox, the big thing was you had Halo. Mm Mm-hmm. And Halo alone was, like, a reason to have an Xbox. And it was the huge, big deal to have Xbox over PlayStation. And once that was basically out of the way, the next game that seemed like it was supposed to kind of be taking that mantle was Titanfall. And it was like, you know, this is an Xbox exclusive, and this will be out on launch, and you can get a Titanfall-bundled console, and all this. And the game is fucking terrible. And even though I hated the first one, when they started promoting the second one, I'm like, all right, maybe they figured it out. Like, clearly, it must have at least been okay enough that, like, people liked it, that they're doing a second one. So, you know, maybe they took a lot of feedback. And no, it's the same fucking game. Yeah, the I, I know that the appeal of Titanfall was because it was from the original Infinity Ward guys. So it was their first game after leaving Infinity Ward, after Activision bought them and destroyed the Call of Duty franchise. So, yeah, I know that there was a lot of hype for the first Titanfall I didn't play it because I never had an Xbox One. Um, I did get Titanfall 2. I actually got $5 at a family dollar. Yeah, that sounds right. Of all places. I actually thought the story was really good. I actually thought it was a very well-written story. I don't care about the story. Uh, Not in a game like that. Yeah, I I, I mean, that's fair. I played the... When I tried playing multiplayer off of it, it It was brutal, dude. You couldn't get to the server. Yeah, there was nobody playing. It was was a garbled mess. So I, I can respect... A lot of your choices on there. I, I thought the story was good. Sure. Uh, I have no idea. Maybe it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. But that wasn't a game that I even like bought expecting a story. That's a game that I bought expecting great online multiplayer play. And I hated the gameplay. I hated the server issues. 
I hated the lack of like creative modes. There's just there's nothing appealing about it. It's like, hey, here's a bunch of big mech suits. And it's like, dude, who gives a shit? We've played this before. <laughs> like, you're not the first ones to do this. Like, yeah. dude, like I'd rather play Fortnite with the mech suits in it than play Titanfall. I was so good with those mech suits in Fortnite. Oh, they're so annoying. It was uh, better than Titanfall. Uh, uh, the next game I have on my list. Now, I don't know if you played this one, but this one I know the series is up your alley. It's uh, Borderlands, the pre sequel. I I just didn't like it. Yeah, and we talked about this before, and I know we're both Borderlands guys. But yeah, the pre-sequel fell real, really mm-hmm. short. But, again, this wasn't one that I really expected much out of anyway, so I don't know if I can call it a disappointment. I think I was excited about it because it was a prequel to it. So, like, cool, you got to know more about Handsome Jack and stuff like that. And that was that was the really good driving point of it. But, like, again, just like what I was talking about with um, – Fallout Four. It's just the games. It's something's off about it. It just it just didn't feel right. Uh, the next game on my list is Saints Row: Get Out of Hell. Uh, I did talk about Saints Row Three on our best of list. This one was a you know a little bit of a um, expansion pack to Saints Row Four. Uh, pretty much, Johnny Gat and Kenzie, I believe her name. They go down to hell, and you're trying to save your player's soul. But pretty much, it's this one is a point and click. Um, not point and click. Sorry, my apologies. A copy and paste of just Saints Row Four. You get all the special abilities. You get all these other things. Um, it just it was just a, a, a it, it took a sludge. I was trying to think of the word. It was a sludge of a game to get through. It, it just didn't feel appetizing. They had some cool voiceover people. They had like uh, I forget. They had I don't th- I don't think it was Tim. It might have been Tim Cur- Tim Curry played a character on a pirate ship. And that was actually kind of the redeeming part. I'm like, oh, it's Tim Curry. He's getting some work. That's a good man. But other than that, it just was nothing really good about the game. Um, uh, third of last on my game list is Walking Dead Survival Instinct. It was the first attempt of actually making a Walking Dead game that wasn't from Telltale. So an action game. Telltale ones are good, Telltale, too. They're great. Anything Telltale I made before their collapse was a great game. Even yep. the the Fables game, which I was a fan of the comic, the, that, that game was great. So the fact that they didn't have a hand in making this game, already knew that it was going to be bad, but it was based on the AMC show, and it starred Daryl Dixon, which I will say it on record, I hate Daryl Dixon as a character. I love Norman Reedus as an actor. He's a great actor. But the game just, it, it just sucked. When you are playing a zombie game and it's taking place in the real world and it's based off of the AMC show. If you shoot a zombie in the head, they should die instantly. No, no, we're not going to do that. It's going to take about three headshots for a zombie to die. And that's like, what's the fucking point of making a zombie game based on their, your show that shows them getting shot in the head, dying instantly. You can't do that. And then they had the whole aspect of you trying to find your brother, which I can't remember his name. And you had to do travel to different parts of the city, and they actually had it to where like you click on it, and hey, it's gonna take four hours. That's cool, but then it's like out of random, you just get attacked, and like you're in some random spawned town, and everything looks the same. It, it was just a waste of time. I I think I had that game for two days before I sent that back from GameFly. I was highly disappointed because I was a fan of the show before it went off the rails. Same. Yeah, it's it, it was it was a real disappointment. Um, second to last game uh, was Far Cry Primal. Uh, I've talked about I'm a fan of the Far Cry uh, franchise. This was a 
game made in between of Far Cry 4 and Far Cry 5. They decided to take something different with it. They made a caveman game, which was okay. Um, but, I mean, it was a it was an, another copy-paste of the map from Far Cry 4. Uh, I'm not even going to give the weapons a hard time because it is, you know, caveman weapons. So you're getting clubs, you're getting slings, you're getting bow and arrows. That's fine. But it just... The, <laughs> I'm laughing about it. There's no fast travel because there's no cars. You can't fast travel anywhere. Oh. So you had to walk to each point. But like all the all the leaders of the area, you had to walk there and like you had to interact with them. But it just again, it, there wasn't anything fun about the game. Even fighting the giant mammoths and other creatures like that, it just it wasn't fun. I I think I turned the game two hours off into it. It just wasn't worth it. I mean, history taught us that the cavemen don't win those battles, so there's really no reason for you to go try and do it. No, you're you're right. You're absolutely right there. Um, you want me to do my last game yeah. now? Okay, because I know you you're saving yours. Um, and then uh, another game that the sequel, well, not the sequel, the uh, part of the game was on my best of list. This was Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, just terrible. Just, this also came up on a lot of the lists I found, so you're not alone here. Yeah, not even, like, I know a lot of people didn't like the um, the graphics on it. I didn't have an issue with that, but it kind of just took everything that you had from Mass Effect and threw it at the window, and they tried to do a new concept of it, like, because you're on a new planet, so new creatures, new aliens, that's fine. But, like, again, they it just fell off. They they brought you, they gave you your Mako back, so you can ex- explore planets, but there wasn't anything worth exploring. I you kind of jump into the civil war of these two f- warring factions of races that just, again, just felt terrible. You got your party of six characters within the first two hours, which is laughable. You, sh- I, you should be able to search for those characters. You win them over. And just the fact like, oh, hey, you're a human. You're an alien. I don't know you. Oh, we speak the same language? Cool, I'm going to team up with you. What the, what the fuck's up with that? So, uh, that's another game I just turned off in, in halfway through it because it just... It wasn't appealing. Like I, it actually made me lose faith in the Mass Effect franchise, which again, that that sucks because I bought the books. You know, I read the comics. I did all those things. I, I was a fan of Mass Effect three, and the the the, the sequel that you're going to make that's not Mass Effect four is this pile of shit. What's the point of spending my money to buy this game when you released a shitty game? And that's what was heartbreaking on a lot of these. Is we've been able to tie a lot of our most disappointing list to two things that were also on our best games of all time. And it hurts so much more when you have a game that disappoints you and is part of something that you loved. Like I mentioned my, the ones I've had issues in the final fantasy series and both of us having issues with games in the fallout series. And that leads me to the, to my last one, which it hurt for me to put on here, but I, I truly think this is where I'm at with it. Despite the fact that, you know, we may be trying to get back in there and that's destiny too. Destiny 2 ruined what was art like what was number 2 on my list of Des- the original Destiny of like you know arguably up there is the greatest game of all time with me between that and Final Fantasy 7 Destiny 1 just did everything right the whole time they they timed out their their uh you know dungeons at the right times the game kept giving you new content for a very long time like it was a game that had such a sh- a long se- shelf life and people were so invested in that, like, I feel like that was maybe the biggest game that people were talking about when you were having to make the next-gen switch as to what's going to happen here. Like, am I going to be able to continue my progress? What's going on? Am I going to have to buy 
this game again? Am I going to be able to continue my character for Destiny 2? Like, it was a huge deal. It was a huge talking point because people had played so much, invested so much time, had become so involved with the lore, with the gear, everything. And then you find out, like, after all these rumors that you were going to be able to continue, that Destiny 2 you were going to start over, that there was going to be no value to having played the first one, basically, except for story continuity, which even then... can pretty much get by without playing the original and not really lose a step uh, when you pick up Destiny 2. But then Destiny 2, you get it, and you start playing, and the gameplay is great, plays just fine, the graphics are good, the story is fine, it's a little underwhelming, it's not the first game, but that I I could get by. But I I like the idea of, you know, starting on the farm and then moving to the tower, Mm -hmm. that was a very cool thing. But for the first, like... Man, I don't know. Two years? You had one raid. Oh, yeah. You're, oh, God, I can't think of the name of it now. You only had one raid, and it was boring. It wasn't even a good one. Like, that raid is worse than every raid in D1. Easily. And the whole time, you're like, you know, what am I waiting here for? Like, when am I getting an expansion? When am I getting another thing? Then they created, like, like a, a second raid out of the first one. Like, it wasn't it's a full second raid. It was like a, like a sub dungeon or something. Mm-hmm. Like they just they cheated you. They cheated an an enormously large fan base, and now it's at the point where you know, like we've tried to jump back into it several times with with little expansions, and now they're saying that there's no plan for a D three. That they have the next two plus years of D two content planned out, and like you should have been doing that from the start. If you would have given me that game and said, "Hey, here's the next two years mapped out," then I would have just shut the hell up and played and sucked it up and dealt with it knowing that, but you didn't do that. And now you've drastically changed so many things in recent months where now like gear has different stats when that wasn't really the case. Figuring out how to jump back in is very difficult. And the people that have for some reason stayed and toughed it out, like have all this stuff. And you're, you're so far behind at this point that like, I haven't even found it enjoyable to jump back in when I've tried because I don't really know what the hell I'm supposed to do. I don't feel like regrinding like I used to have to for everything. And it's very difficult in a game like that when you have those super complex raids and stuff to then go back and try and, you know, do them. Because at this point, the only people that are on that game have been playing so long, they don't want to run new people through dungeons. They want to speed run them. They're looking for loot. They're doing them on, you know, harder difficulties. So you really kind of phase out a returning fan base, an old fan base that, that, you know, felt like you lost their way and you're trying to bring them back. And then you have the next two and two and a half plus years of of content, but I have to pay $40 for the old expansion still that I really don't feel like doing knowing that I'm then going to have to buy like a season pass come September. That's going to cost me money as well. So even though like I own destiny Two already, so I already paid for it, but a lot of people got it for free like I'm still going to end up throwing another 100 bucks to try and get back into the game after I already spent 60 to play it and I was upset with that purchase in and of itself and it's not doing me really any good jumping back into it now everything I did up to this point doesn't really matter cuz I'm pretty sure I'm at the same floor that anybody who just picks up the game brand new gets to be at yeah with with Destiny 2 they they released the game they gave a decent story but then they didn't do anything. They didn't add any expansions for a long time, like you said. They threw in fire strikes. They threw in the gambit. 
They threw in little things. And Gambit's awesome. Yeah, Gambit, Gambit, Gambit just, saved it for a while. Yeah, but they, 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 haven't, they didn't do anything for a while. after, And then all of a sudden Forsaken showed up out of nowhere. We got back into it with Forsaken. We did all the wanted quests and everything. And that was cool. But then they didn't do anything again. And, and now Shadow Kate came out, I think, a year and a half after Forsaken. And I've, I've talked with our buddy Mike. He ha- he's having a hard time getting back into the game because of Shadow Keep because it kind of just throws things at you. Like, it's, it, it's, it seems that with Destiny, they, like, they give you your base game. They give you a couple months. Okay, then we're going to take another year off. And then they just throw the shit at you. Like when, when, when? If you have to guess on top of your head, when did Destiny Two come out? Destiny Two, I'm gonna say, oh my, I want to say 2017. I want to say yeah. September of 17. So this new two year plan they have is gonna start three years after release. That's that's ridiculous. That's what I mean. Like the end of that two year plan they have starting this September should be happening right now. Yeah, we it, should already be the fourth wave of that should be coming this fall. Well, and then the the expansion that I'm playing, Shadowkeep expansion, came out in October, and it's just like I don't know, man. It's just like it's there, like it's and it's very grindy. Mike jumped on with me that one night, and I was helping him do his quest. And it's and, and prime example, it's it's confusing. So the one the one mission that you have to do is you have to defeat these nightmares to continue to the next thing. But they also give you a side quest of these essences that you have to, you know, unlock. And how the quest set up for that is it's pretty much two parts. One one is doing the nightmares and one is doing the essences. But all they keep showing you is just the essences. So you can get done six essences even though you only need to do three and you're not done. But then you go back to your, your menu. They, they also split up the quest menu. So now that you have all your quests and then for specific situations – when you go to the shadow keep one, it says, "Oh, you have to do it this way. You have to do. You have to go defeat these nightmares." And it's like, "Cool. Why didn't you just tell me to do that? Like instead of giving me three quests for one thing." And now, the quest I'm on now is you have to uh, you have to defeat nightmares, which are just souped up characters. I don't know if you played against the nightmares or not, but you have to defeat them using arc abilities, and they're fucking tough as shit because like. I play as Hunter, and the arc ability is the stupid staff, and, like, you can't get kills off of that really easily. You have to, like, wean them down and then do it, and you're supposed to do 20, 20 kills with arc abilities, and it's just, I don't know. It's... It, grenades, bro. No, no, no. Oh, oh, yeah, arc grenades, you are right. But, yeah, it's, like, Destiny, they brought this whole... They restructured the game after they they got away from Activision. Cool, it's Bungie doing Bungie thing, but then it's just, like, okay, cool, we, we're going to do this far, and then, like, eh, we'll give ourselves two years to get the other stuff out. And I completely understand why you, it's a disappointing game because yeah, uh, especially, especially when you played it the first time around and you stop and then you try to get back into it because of all the hype that's going on. Yeah. I could definitely see you getting disappointed. The, the stats situation is terrible because you never have to worry about that. Uh, we did talk about, I talked about earlier. So you remember how you had to, when you upgraded your weapons, you had to use legendary shards and something and then they gave you these elemental things. Now you have to use these um, components now that you don't have to make. The upgrade modules. Yes. But, but yeah, they, they keep changing things. They had them before, too, but they just changed the way you get them. And they're not easy to get. No. And you have to do these in incremental steps because 
the items that drop are relative to your light level. So you're never able to make a substantial jump and you have to grind out these items just to make these minimal like five and six point jumps. And it's the average of all your gear and you have like seven items. So even when you upgrade one by like seven points, you're that's usually not even changing your light level. It takes two or three of those infusions of grinding out these upgrade items to boost your light by one to two points, therefore increasing the the RNG drop level of future items that, again, you then have to grind out more upgrade modules and reinfuse them into your guns, and it's ridiculous, man. Oh, yeah. I I went to the clan area, and I got a whole bunch of orbs or whatever they're called. I can't Ingrams. Ingrams. I got a whole bunch of Ingrams, and, like, they don't, they don't even stick to like if you're at whatever light level you don't get them for what light level you're at you get them for the light level you're at when you like got them so like if you're right. you at 750 and you don't pick up your engrams until you're 900 mm-hmm. cool you got a 750 engram right there it's a, it's almost like an insult to the into to you because it's like cool well, i just wasted my time and i'm not gonna have this weapon you can't upgrade stuff i have a uh, what is it, and arm? that was and that was like a cheat that worked that they ended up like nerfing, which is stupid. Was the fact that when you used to actually have to get Ingrams like revealed, you could hold them, and then they started making them where they had a certain power level already. It'd be like a seven sixty one Ingram, and then they basically took that out. You don't really even have to get items revealed anymore. It's just basically everything's just dropping as what it is. Well, now, so yeah, when you get the Ingrams now. They, oh, I'm going to show you, and now they have these, I think they're called Cursed Ingrams, but, like, they have, like, the darkness on them, and you have to go to the Drifter spot in the Annex to get them unlocked. And, yeah, I mean, I can completely understand, and I actually agree with you, even though I started playing Destiny 2 again. I completely and I'm going to play it, too. Like, that's what's annoying is, like, I, lo- I want to love this game. I love Destiny so much. Eat, like, when Destiny 2 first came out, people were just shitting all over it. And I was like, no, dude, it's really good. It's the same thing. They'll figure it out. And then, you know, I invested a lot of time and energy. And then eventually, you know, I like, I just hit that breaking point. I'm like, you know what? No, like, you can't. It's like an abusive relationship. Like, not, not <laughs> you know, not to make light of it. But it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, some people longer than others to realize that they've just got to cut the cord and get out. Yeah, you. And it's not easy. And. In that same way, like unfortunately, I just keep coming back to it, even though I know better and that I shouldn't. Yeah, you're you're there thinking, okay, if I stick with it, it's gonna get better, and it yeah, does. Like I, I can change him. <laughs> Destiny, 2, I can please. change Destiny please. too. Please, <laughs> I love you so much. We're meant to be. Can't you see all these hours I put into you? But Don't like, love me back. But like, I I just want to like the game, man, and. Hopefully, you know, maybe if me, you, and Borton can get into the swing of things. Like, that was always, that's the funniest part is, like, you know, Destiny 1, I didn't have anybody that I played with. And I was still able to love that game, to do raids. Like, I had a couple people that, like, lightly played. But, you know, like, the way, like, we have, like, a team for, like, Fortnite and other games. Like, I've never had that for any of these. So, if we could get that going for a D2, I feel like that would make it really enjoyable. But... I'm struggling with the idea of me being able to get to the point that we're doing those things. Mm, I can, and, that, and that's what I'm worried about is I feel like we'd have a lot of fun doing the raids, but am I going to invest the time to even get myself to the point that I can run them? I don't until know. you get frustrated again. And, and I, do I, I, I want to spend all this money on it? I, can, I know. I completely agree with you. It sucks, man. It, it, it really hurts that, like, you know, like I have all these games sitting on my shelf that I don't even really feel like playing, and all I want is to just like D2 and play mm. it. And I, I'm just, I'm just not sure that it's going to get there. But unfor- unfortunately for me, I'm going to keep trying. So here's to hoping that 
maybe they figure it out. It is one thing that I think we have taken away from from some of these, and even other games I read on the list. Like ones that came up on the list that I thought were interesting was like um, No Man's Sky, which we've talked about before, of being just like one that most people have been disappointed in. But that was more off the launch, and once yeah. they took, I think like a year later, obviously they came back, revisited it, you know, put put in a free like upgrade expansion, like patch or whatever, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden people were like, "Yes, this is the game I expected to get." So the hope is that we are at a time where if things are really that bad, that at least some developers seem to listen and take accountability and sometimes try to fix these things. Another one that I found interesting that I hadn't thought of, but I think is a really good point. Super Mario 2, because Super Mario 1 comes out, and it's like, at that time, it's like the perfect game. People love it. People play it all the time. It's timeless. You go back, play it. But, like, no one even played 2, really. Like, I didn't play 2 until I had All-Stars. And 2 is, like, 2 is, like, the people on 1 took a fuck ton of acid and made an entirely different game. And it's a fine game, but it's very weird. It doesn't really follow the same Mario story that you're used to. The levels are, are pretty much the same all the time, and you're mostly just throwing, like, turnips the whole time. But while, obviously, Mario 2 didn't offer any kind of balance patch or update to make it better, it seemed like a lot of the feedback they got between 1 and 2 led them to making 3, which is arguably the greatest Mario game of all time, and maybe one one of, if not the greatest video game of all time. Wait, do you not know the story about Super Mario 2? What story? Uh so it's it's actually a reskin of a Japanese game called Toki Toki Panic. Oh. So actually it was Nintendo of USA that made uh, Super Mario 2. Uh, it's been known in Japan as Super Mario USA. Um, the When you played Super Mario All-Stars, you had the Super Mario, the Lost Levels. That's yes. the actual original Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh. Yeah, so that's why Super Mario Brothers 2 had such a change in direction because it wasn't made by the original... That's funny because Lost Levels slapped too. They should have just made it that. I love Lost Levels. So the reason was was after Super Mario came out and the drive of Super Mario, people wanted it. They just like okay, uh, we could take this game. Okay, uh, we can make this look like Mario, and that's that's how they got it. So <laughs> that's that's the story of Super Mario Brothers too. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's uh, that was the first game I bought for my Game Boy Advance, Super Mario Advance. I 100% of that game. I think I might have talked about it on the podcast before. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I have a so- weird soft spot for that game just because of how much time I put into it playing it on the Game Boy Advance. I'm so burnt out from being disappointed by all these games and hearing your list of games that make you disappointed because that makes me disappointed because you didn't get enjoyment from them. It sucks, man. But, you know, I like, my list was, that. that's what's good at the end of the day. Is like I, I mean, I could have come up with a couple more, I guess. But, again, I kind of know who I am, and it was a lot for as much stress as I had coming up with, like, my top 10 all-time favorites, it was easier to come up with 10 of my all-time favorites than it was to come up with, you know, six disappointments. No, man. So, at the end of the day, even though we're kind of spending most of this episode more or less complaining, I would say that in, in my case specifically, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but I've had a pretty good overall, you know, run and luck and... You know, I've always been kind of just like smart. Like again, I said I'm I'm pretty frugal with video game purchases, so I try and do my homework. Like I watch a lot of stream. Like I think Twitch is the best thing for gamers. Like fuck if fuck it if you want to stream or not. Like who cares? But like you know, like a lot of people say, oh, you you sit there and watch people play video games. Yeah, I spend a lot of time watching people play video games. That I don't want to spend sixty dollars on until I know if it looks like something I'm going to enjoy. So while back in the day, you know, you'd get like demo discs and stuff. That's that's not really how it works anymore, unfortunately. 
But luckily, most of the big-time streamers are getting beta access to things, and, and you can get sneak previews of stuff before you see it. And so, uh, you know, I'm able to get a pretty good handle on what I like and, and kind of know what games I'm looking for. And again, to one of your points, we're also at the point now where, you know, we're pretty able to wait until games go on sale to really give them a spin, which is why, like, I've been really happy with Persona because I think I dude, I think I spent 8 bucks on it. Like, it was crazy it was cheap. cheap, and it's a pretty new game. And I'm getting, I mean, I've probably already pumped between, like, my first run that I ended up losing, and I just decided to restart the game. Like, I didn't use, a, like, they're like, oh, you can go back a week. I said, no, fuck, I'm starting a new file. Um, you know, I've probably put a good 20-plus hours, and I'm only, I'm only through, like, the first real level. Like, I'm just starting the second one. Like, that game is a time eater, and I love games like that. Like, I'm hoping that that ends up being, like, a 100-plus hour game, which is unheard of anymore, and especially considering there's no... Battle Pass, there's no online subscription. Like It's just the game. It's the full game. So, like, can't can't recommend that enough. Uh, but, yeah, man, this was fun. Um, I, I would love to hear what other people have as games that have disappointed them. I would especially love it if it's any of the games that were either on our favorites list or anything else <laughs> that we've talked about. But please make sure to submit any of those to us. If you want, you can hit us on Twitter, at Process Potables. We will set up one for the show, uh, hopefully in the next week or two, so we'll get that set up so you can follow that specifically for just video game content, and eventually we will have our own feed for this pod as well. But for now, you just stay tuned to that Process Potables feed for almost everything across the network as we start to phase things out into their own platforms and their own feeds and things like that but uh steve any any last words uh nothing really um i'm i'm excited um for more events coming out because again with the e3 being canceled um, i'm hoping that a lot of other companies are going to come out with their own east e3 style events just to see what new stuff's coming out even if it's current gen or even next gen i don't care i just want to see some new stuff i'm i want some surprises i want to be seeing a game that i wasn't expecting to see and uh, I just, you know, once once the summer gets done, I think everything will start relaxing and we can actually start enjoying some more games again. Absolutely. Re- really looking forward to it. Steve, thanks for, for hopping back on. I'm excited to keep this one going. Thank you to everybody for listening, for checking this out. Again, make sure to check out all the other shows on the Podcast Potables Network. First, Steve, I'm Dan. We will talk to you guys later. Bye.